Welcome to Parker's MMA Show. If you want to learn about all things going down in the fight world, you've come to the right place. Each episode, your host, Parker Keene, will take a deeper dive into the always entertaining world of sanctioned fist fighting. Now here's your host, Parker Keene. What's up? The mustache is still coming in strong, huh? Oh, it's, <clears throat> it's a thing of glory, Parker. It's getting pretty brutal. Pretty brutal. All right. Parker's <laughs> MMA show back for episode 32. Billy, we are rocking and rolling. Um, this week, we're yeah, we're getting after it. This week, um, we're going to talk briefly about the card next weekend. Next weekend, we're going to do, or next week, we're going to do a deep dive into that card. Um, but this week, we're mainly going to finish up our deep dive into the divisions. We've got... Uh, we are breaking down the lightweight division, 155 all the way up to heavyweight. And before we get into it, I just want to remind everyone, like, subscribe, go buy some manscaping stuff to trim your nuts, and everyone keeps spreading the word. Billy, let's get into it. So um, UFC 249 is a go for May 9. Kind of give us an update on where we're at. Yeah. So, uh, first of all, I want to point out to everyone that Parker is the one wearing the Bellator MMA t-shirt today. So, um, all the calls of Billy being the hardcore, Billy being the fanboy, look who's in the t-shirt, just saying. But, uh, the, so UFC 249, May 9th, it's going to happen at the arena in Jacksonville, Florida. It's in a regular, uh, normal arena. It's not like in a special location. Um, that's kind of bizarre. By, what do you? Kind of bizarre, right? Um, why would they not just do like I a think, like a ballroom or something, <laughs> like a do it at a hotel? It might have something to do with the lighting or the production. Um, would be my guess. Where it would it would suit better for an arena. It's an easier setup. Um, but I, I tend to agree with you. I, I think it's going to be a little weird. Brasilia was a little weird. Um, but anyway, we're gonna get fights. Um, so that's good news for um, the the violence addicts of uh, of the world here. But uh, Jacksonville, Florida, approved by the Florida State Boxing Commission. So that's a big deal because uh, it basically gives it like legislative and governmental legs. So very unlikely that it'll be shut down like the uh, Tachi Palace uh, card was. Um, and the UFC is apparently going to start on May 9th. And they're going to do basically three events a week. So they're going to do Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday again. Um, All at this location? Out of, out of Jacksonville is the, huh. uh, is the rumor. Huh. So Interesting. Um, you know, regular 13-fight cards, and, and the UFC is going to go. They're going to try and put on these, uh, these 42 or 43 events, whatever they're contracted to. What's the over-under on Cowboy fighting on more than two of those cards? <laughs> um i i would not be surprised if cowboy fought like twice in two weeks or something crazy like that like i saw a quote today he said he wants to be the first fighter mma fighter to fight three times in one week (laughs) he says he's bringing it he's bringing his rv to jacksonville and leaving it there The guys who fought three times in one night in the early days probably have a bone to pick with Cowboy, but, I mean, modern-day warrior doesn't even begin, begin to 
describe it, right? I mean, the guy's just, what a savage. Yeah, he's the best. Um, all right. Anything else you want to cover about that car? Do you want to do it all next week? My my only thing that I kind of wanted to get your opinion on, Parker, like, I watch a lot of fights. You watch a lot of fights. Do you think you have the stomach to watch, like, nearly 40 MMA fights in a week? Like, I don't even know if I could do that. I'm watching start to finish on all of them. You know I am. I'll be I'll be uh, tailgating at like four thirty in the afternoon for the first card. It's gonna be awesome. Yeah. What What is I the think deal? My wife um, is be very concerned. You're gonna be glued to the TV. She's probably happy you're watching something else besides like laser tag on ESPN or something. The the 2004 <laughs> spelling deed. Um. Well, I'm excited. We're only almost a week away. I'm excited too. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll we'll do a deep dive into that card. They're, they started releasing fights for the 13th and the 16th in the last day or so, didn't they? Yeah, I say I say next week we go full deep dive on this May 9th card and then uh, figure out kind of where we're at in terms of, of what's happening because I don't want to get too excited until, like, literally fighters are walking in the cage, to be honest, because that's just going to disappoint me. The um, let me ask you this: the May thirteenth and the sixteenth card are those going to be just on regular ESPN? I have no idea. So they have they have said that these will be spread across pay per view ESPN Plus and regular ESPN. I'm sure they're still working details out, but I can't imagine that if ESPN is going to uh, you know run the pay per view on May 9th, like. They're desperate for content. I mean, they're desperate to show something live. So I imagine they would move at least some of this to, to regular ESPN. Yeah, because I, I, as far as I know, I haven't seen a huge headliner yet for the 13th or the 16th card. Uh, but it's still early. I think by next week, we they'll have to have those cards solidified. They'll only be a week out. I mean, they're going to have to start having fighters travel and all that. I You know, I... I mentioned before, but I know, um, you know, Overeem, I think, is scheduled to fight. Who's he fighting? Walt Harris? Walt Harris. Yeah, I, I know he's in the middle of training camp right now. So those guys, I, I think a lot of them must know because, I mean, look, we're, uh, what, two weeks out, basically? Um, yeah. So, so I, I think the UFC is kind of keeping everything as tight as they can, but I, I would say by this time next week, we're going to have both of these cards. I I would think the full cards laid out. I would certainly hope so. And, and, you know, I hope uh, they haven't released anything about the added safety precautions that they're taking, other than saying that there will be no fans. They haven't really released details of that. And I just hope that I think the one way this could go really bad for the sport is, is if the event happens and then, kind of the aftermath of it or what happens to the fighters afterwards goes poorly. Like if someone gets sick or, you know, cornerman gets sick or someone working the event gets sick. And like, that's the only way this can reflect badly. If the UFC comes out, pulls this off and everybody comes away, you know, as healthy as they would be in a normal MMA event, that is a massive success for the UFC. No, it's a huge win. And I would assume if Florida's commission signed off on it, they have some sort of protocol in place, right? Or, or 
Florida's been a little bit saying fuck it with the coronavirus. I don't know if you've noticed that. But uh, so I I don't know if they're basically saying, like, we don't think it's that big a risk or they they do have the safety protocol. I really don't know. Um, And I don't think anyone knows other than the actual commission and the UFC. But um, that's the only way I see this going poorly, whereas, like, the Tachi Palace situation, there were a million different ways I could have seen that going badly. This seems much more solid to me on much more stable footing to have a successful UFC event. Yeah, I, I did hear Dana White. I think he was on maybe Kevin Ioli's show, but he said um, that the UFC had to submit like a 35-page document of basically their exact protocol. He's just not letting it out to the media yet. So obviously they've I, I think they've been working on that for the last month. And maybe it's finalized. And I agree with you. If this goes, you know, if May 9th goes on without a hitch and there's no issues, I think that's a gigantic win for Dana White, the UFC, and MMA as a whole. I, I think if they're able to put on a successful show without any issues, you see the bigger organizations start coming back in the fold. So, yeah, I'm excited. Um, Billy, you want to do our Manscaped read here? Would love to, Parker. So, support for Parker's MMA show is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. I know, Parker, I've been using their lawnmower 3.0 during the quarantine to make sure that my man parts are freshly groomed while I'm stuck in my house. Their third-generation trimmer features cutting-edge ceramic blades to prevent manscaping accidents. Millions of balls are about to be nick-free thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin-safe technology. So if you're listening to me right now, I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Get 20% off and free shipping with promo code FIGHT, that's FIGHT, F-I-G-H-T, at manscaped.com. 20% off, free shipping, promo code FIGHT. Parker, what's not to like about that deal? Love it. Everyone, make it happen. I did use a razor for the first time on the uh, old back. The back is uh, feeling pretty nice. Feeling good about it. Feeling a little more comfortable taking my shirt off, not looking like a Wolverine. So, Manscapes, everyone check them out. All right, Billy, let's continue our deep dive. We left off uh, with the lightweights last, what, two weeks ago now. Um, You know, Probably one of the deepest divisions, best divisions in MMA is the UFC lightweight division. So let's get right into it. Obviously, May 9th, we've got Justin taking on Tony Ferguson. Um, man, I, I keep getting more and more excited for this fight. The closer and closer it gets. I, I, I think this has potential to be fight of the year. Um, I feel a lot better about it. Justin's got, you know, now about a five-week training camp opposed to, you know, a week and a half, two weeks. Um, Tony made weight, you know, on the day they were supposed to originally fight, which I thought was crazy. What did you, I don't think we ever talked about that. What did you think about that? I loved it, man. I really did love it because like the, we talk a lot about like how bad weight cutting is for the sport. The bad thing about weight cutting is like dehydrating your body to the point where you can't stand and then fighting. Tony just made weight to say, like, I am so mentally tough 
that like I will go through something difficult that I don't have to go to just to prove it to you that I can. Like that is brilliant mental warfare in my opinion. And for a guy in Tony Ferguson that quite frankly doesn't get in the MMA media cycles all that often, that guy was everywhere. Everyone was talking about what do you think about Tony making weight? He made it his show. He made himself the center of attention. I thought it was a very brilliant move by Tony Ferguson. What do you think, if anything, that does to his body, having to cut that weight? I, I don't think Tony cuts a whole lot of weight, maybe 20 pounds or so. But what, if anything, do you think that does to his body, having to cut weight twice in basically two weeks? I, I just think Tony Ferguson just does not have a normal body. Like, do I think it, it is like bad on like a normal person to try and do that? Sure. But like, I've watched Tony Ferguson condition his shins by kicking metal poles. Like, I just don't believe that this guy like is destructible by normal means. So like, I think he'll be fine. I also think like a lot of guys, if they're moving weight classes, will do a practice weight cut. And so I actually get down to that weight a couple weeks before a fight. And then it makes the cut easier the, the second time and like almost proves to them that they can do it. Um, so like, I think this happens like not obviously in such a public manner, but I think it happens more often than we realize. And, uh, you know, I think Tony will be fine. I don't think it's going to affect Tony. I don't know what would affect Tony at this point, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think him and Justin Gaethje are going to go to war. I, I, I'm getting so much more excited for that fight. And I'm kind of glad it played out like this. <laughs> we get just chaos. Um, chaos. But um, So that's obviously that's the number one contender fight in my eyes. Um, we've talked about this before. Connor's still kind of a wild card. And Dana's a wild card. There's nothing promising these guys that they're going to get the next shot at Khabib. I mean, Connor, I, I would not be shocked just from watching how Dana operates, how Connor is able to get in there and get his way. If somehow Connor talks Dana into a second fight with Khabib and he leapfrogs either Justin or Tony Ferguson, which would, especially if it's Tony Ferguson, would be an absolute just travesty. See, I think this, whole Justin Tony thing actually like really opens up the Connor Nate trilogy. Cause like, I think I they should have booked they they should have booked that already. Like they they need to make that fight. That's the fight. That's the fight, right? Like I, I have that as my key matchup. Like that needs to happen. Regardless of what happens May 9th, regardless of what happens between Habib and the winner of the fight on May 9th, like Connor Nate three needs to happen. It needs to be Connor's next fight. It needs to be Nate's next fight. Like we're past all the like playing around with it and the going back and forth and like, you know, will either guy fight again kind of thing. Like this is the fight. Just make it. Um, I, I just don't see, I don't see how you match up Connor with anyone other than Nate Diaz, unless Justin Gaethje loses and you just think like that's the fight to make or Tony loses and you think that's like has to happen. But like, I just don't see it. I don't see the heat there. Like I see for Connor Nate trilogy. No, I agree. And Nate, I mean, I've talked about that. I've beat this horse to death. I, I think Nate's got 
two more years, maybe. And he's only going to take big fights. He's, I don't think they're going to drag him out to fight the Dustin Poirier's of the world, the Dan Hooker's of the world. I, I think he's fighting Connor, maybe George Masvidal again. I, I don't know who else. Who else? That's, that's probably it, you know? Um, I think he would probably take the Habib fight, but I don't, I don't see that happening. Yeah, but that's, I mean, that's such a stretch. A, him going back down to 155. B, Khabib even entertaining that fight when you've got Tony Ferguson on a 13 fight win streak. You know, I, I don't know. I, I agree. I think the only fight to make is Connor versus Nate. Let me ask you this: What do you do? Where does Nate go if he beats Connor in a trilogy? Title shot. Title Where? shot. One seventy or fifty five. I think I. I mean, I think he could fight Easter. Like I, I honestly think if Nate were to beat Connor in a trilogy, like if that let's say that trilogy fight happens at one seventy, right? Like he could immediately go fight for the title at one seventy. Or go fight Habib at 155 for the title, and like nobody would bat an eyelash. Really? You think if Tony beats Justin, Nate beats Connor, Nate could jump leapfrog Tony to fight Khabib? Not that he would leapfrog him, but I think his next fight would be for a title. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, I, I think those two guys are definitely the wild card because they, they have so many options. They could fight at either weight class, so it's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out. But uh, I could definitely see that headlining the next pay-per-view, you know, the next big pay-per-view. Maybe you have Usman and Masvidal, and then after that you have Nate versus Connor in the trilogy. Especially with them missing out on revenue from canceled events and bandless yeah. events and whatnot, I feel like the Nate Connor fight has never been more important than right now. Well, and money wise, that's probably the the biggest money fight you can make outside of Khabib and Connor. For sure. And um, you know, I, I think Nate Diaz is a top ten in that division. I think like skill set wise, he's you know, Maybe not top five, but he's definitely in that five to ten range for me. So I don't think he's like over the hill or done or anything like that. I think he's top ten at both, one fifty five and one seventy. Still. I mean, you go down that list uh, at each division, I think Nate Diaz beats a lot of those guys. Um all right, the other contender matchups. I, I love this fight. Um Dustin versus Dan Hooker. I think that's that's a no-brainer. You make that. Um, originally, that was supposed to be on the San Diego card, I believe, which was when? Was that supposed to happen last month, the beginning of all this? No, I think it's, it was supposed to happen in June. Okay, okay. So, I mean, I think the timeline for that's still good. Obviously, I don't know what the travel's going to be like for Dan Hooker to get over here, but that's a great fight. Both of those guys... Dan Hooker's looked amazing. Uh, he just came off that war with Paul, Paul Felder, and then you've got Dustin, who, you know, had a hard loss to Khabib, but still, I think Dustin Poirier is a top, you know, three or four fighter at light heavy or lightweight right now. Um, so that one for sure, you make uh, Paul Felder versus Cowboy Oliveira. That's a great matchup. Um, to me, Paul Felder that versus was a Charles ne- Oliveira, right? Not Char- Cowboy. Charles, I get them mixed up. I always call him Cowboy Oliveira. Charles, De Bronx, De Bronx. Um, 
that's a great fight. Felder came off a very, very close fight with Dan Hooker where I think, you know, it kind of looked like he was going to retire and then he's kind of walked that back. But, I mean, Paul Felder's a tough out for anyone, you know, in that top five range. Um, that hasn't been booked yet, has it? No. And, the, well, they've fought before. So Felder and Oliveira is a rematch. Felder won. Um, Felder took him down and smashed like, him, didn't he? Well, Oliveira had like a, he had a, uh, I think an arm bar or a leg lock like sunk in and then Felder like got out of it after being in, in it for a minute and a half and just elbowed, you know, his face in. Did you see um, Craig, did you see Craig Jones destroy Vinny Paul? What's his name? Um, Vinny Magalhaes fucking knee. Oh my God. Tap, tap the knee bars and heel hooks guys. Like tap very quickly. If you try. That is bizarre. Um, that was bizarre. They he like blew his knee out, and then they had like a minute conversation. Like it was weird. Vinny Magalhaes was so calm about it too. He was just like kind of having a casual conversation after he got his entire knee ripped apart. Yeah. Um, the other one though, I was gonna say about Oliveira and Felder. I would watch either of those guys fight the winner of Cowboy versus Pettis. I think that's like intriguing to me. Um, Pettis, Pettis and Felder are teammates, so I don't. They wouldn't fight, and then Pet, Felder and Cowboy are like really, really close too. I don't think they would fight. Yeah, so I guess put Oliveira against the winner of Cowboy and Pettis. I would. Watch I actually, that I actually tweeted at Paul Felder like a year ago to fight Cowboy, and he responded. He said it would never happen. They're too good of friends. Yeah, Felder's kind of got doesn't have a lot of options at at lightweight. I guess he could fight the loser of Poirier Hooker. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not opposed to him moving up to 170 either. I think he could have some fun matchups up at 170. He's a bigger guy. I think he fought Mike Perry up there um, when he broke his arm and had that crazy war with Mike Perry. But he's a guy, you know, I think he's kind of at the end of his career. He's got a great gig lined up with the commentary. So um, as much as I like him fighting, I, you know, I don't think we're going to see much more of Paul Felder as a contender at 155. Um, all right, so who's your dark horse in the division? I, I think it's Charles Oliveira, right? I, I think it's he's a guy who's – you really only know him if you're hardcore or if you're Brazilian. Um, but – he finishes fights. I mean, he, he gets his submissions are so sneaky. He's good on the feet. He's tough as nails. You know, he can defend takedowns. I, I, I just think, like, I don't see a lot of holes in his game. And, like, if you told me that in a year, you know, he finally got his title shot and he beat somebody who we thought he'd never beat, I wouldn't be surprised. So I like Charles Oliveira. Who do you have? He's on a six-fight win streak, too, Charles Oliveira. Um, his striking, to me, has come a long way. He was, he's, he's got kind of an awkward style. He's kind of got like a Tony Ferguson mixed with like a Ryan Hall <laughs> striking. It, it's, it's strange, but he was, he was hurting Kevin Lee in that fight down in Brasilia. Um, with a bunch of front kicks. I think he hit him with a couple, three or four front kicks. And then some spinning shit. I, I liked his, his striking. And then he's super dangerous on the ground. Um, he was one of my dark horses. Um, Islam Makachev, I put, I put him in there as well. Um, I think he's still a little unproven. I want to see him do a little more work, you know, with top five to ten fighters. 
Um, but it seems like he could be kind of the heir apparent for Khabib to dominate that division. Um, I, I still think he's a little unproven. And then the other one that I wrote down was Justin Gaethje. I, I think a lot of people sleep on Justin Gaethje. And I I don't think we've seen the full capability of just Justin Gaethje. Everyone forgets how like incredible of a wrestler he is, although he never uses that. And I think he's got one of the best coaches in the game. And, and Trevor Whitman, who's just a freaking genius. And what he's been able to do with Justin Gaethje since he came to the UFC. Um, you know, he had those first three fights. Michael Johnson, Dustin Poirier, Eddie Alvarez, where he, you know, just kind of had that march forward, stand and bang, you know, I'm going to break you fighting style. And then since that, he's really kind of evolved that to more of kind of a conservative um, you know, picks his spots a little better. He's not as aggressive, but he's still dangerous, you know, early and throughout the fight. So um, Justin Gaethje, you know, I think he's got probably, he said five fights left, you know, a couple fights ago, but I think he's a guy, if he gets that title, he's going to be hard to beat. You know, he's, he's a complete fighter. He's going to go in there and bring it every time. And then he's got the wrestling, you know, to kind of back it up. So, um, Justin Gaethje, for me, uh, I'm really, really looking forward to next week's fight. Um, who's your champ 2021? Habib Nurmagomedov is my got, champion January okay. 1st, 2021. <laughs> I've got Justin Gaethje. I think Justin Gaethje is going to make it happen. I think he's he's just kind of re-centered, refocused his career, and I think he's on on the path. And um, yeah, he's my champion. Um, all right, let's move on to welterweight. Welterweight. Um, can I what? Can, wait before yeah, we do ahead. that? Okay. Can I just say why? Why does it never ever come up for Habib to move up and wait and fight for the one seventy belt? Habib has eight fights at one seventy. He's undefeated at lightweight. He is like two or three de- title defenses away from not only having the most ever at lightweight. But basically, clearing out that division. Like I want to see him I and GSP fight at 170. I don't know but why. If that can't happen, if, yeah. if that can't happen, right? If the UFC won't make that fight and GSP's getting older and all that, like, why? Why is there no desire for Khabib to chase a second belt? And like, especially if Jorge Masvidal is champion at welterweight. Tell me you wouldn't watch Habib against Jorge Masvidal at 170. Yeah. No, I would. That's I just, as good as it gets. I, I've never heard it floated at all that he's going to move to 170. Right. Why not? We float it with literally every other champion. Like, oh, what if he moved up? Like, it never gets talked about with Habib. And that's kind of weird to me because, like, Habib is huge for 155. Like, it's a hard weight cut. Hmm. It'd be interesting. I I want to see him and GSP fight at 170 just to fight. I don't have to have a title or anything. It's the best 155-er if Khabib gets to the next two fights, taking on the best 170-er of all time. Um, that's a huge fight for me, and I think that's the only fight that's going to pull GSP out of retirement. Unless Connor goes on some crazy run and then... You know, maybe I could see Connor pulling him out, but I think GSP versus Khabib. That's the fight. That's the fight right there. So, um, yeah, super fights. I, I forgot to mention super fights, but you just want to see Khabib move up? 
I want to see Khabib. Well, I want to see him the fight Tony, and I want to see him fight either Justin or Connor. So I watch two more Khabib title defenses, basically. And then I want to see him move up. And I don't understand why it's not talked about. Like, nobody ever brings it up. Like, I think if Khabib moves up and gets a second belt at 170, he will have belts in the two deepest MMA divisions ever. Like, ever. And he, that to me, if Habib can do that, if he can beat Tony, can beat Connor or Justin in a second defense, and then move up and take the welterweight belt, he can retire. And for me, he's jumped GSP as the best of all time. Yeah, I, I, I think you've got two or three more fights out of Khabib. I don't see him sticking around for five, six more years. I think he wants to go undefeated right off into the sunset and just say he was the best ever. I've actually, I've never, it's funny you said, I've never heard him mention moving up to 170, which is bizarre. That's but literally. Has, that's where he started his career. He has eight fights at 170. That's why it's so weird to me. Yeah, I don't know. It's very strange. All right, let's move on to 170. Um, tell me what are the biggest key matchups you're looking for to see this year at the 170 weight class? We have to get Usman against Masvidal. Like, that has to happen this year. It's my number one fight that, like, cannot wait. Like, the the heat is there now. Like, if if Jorge Masvidal doesn't capitalize on what he did last year in 2020, like, the steam starts to come off. Like, it's just the reality of the news cycle. So I think he's got to fight Usman for the title this year. No, I agree. I think that's the only fight you make at 170 right now. Um, and I, I think that will be the next big pay-per-view. Those guys will headline that. Um, that's a huge fight. And if George Masvidal can knock out Usman, which I don't know. I think people also kind of sleep on the fact that George Masvidal can put anyone away. And Colby was able to do a lot of damage to Usman. And George Masvidal's night and day a better striker more complete striker than Colby. Um, so that's a really, really interesting matchup. But I agree with you. I think the time is now for that fight because George Masvidal was on the highest of high last year. And, and we've talked about this a lot, but in our eyes, he's probably one of him and Israel Adesanya are the biggest stars in the ESPN era. And the timing of this whole thing kind of fucks him the most, I think, because he was, I mean, he was becoming a mainstream star and then he's just had what six eight months or so of inactivity you know with the coronavirus and i think he had a hand injury um so yeah if he could come back get that belt then then that opens the door for a lot of fun fights because then i think you see you know connor and nate start calling him out you know i feel like nate thought that fight was closer than it maybe was connor feels like that's a winnable fight for him so that opens the door to Connor being able to jump into 170 and go for a third belt, um, which would be gigantic. So we're, you know, maybe Connor's the guy that has three belts and two of the deepest weight classes in the UFC. So um, I'm really looking forward to that fight. And I think we're getting that in the next two months for sure. Um, um, so I had, I had two more kind of, I would say contendery fights that are, I think are really important for this division. My first one, uh, Tyron Woodley against Leon Edwards needs to get rebooked, needs to get rebooked. I mean, 
I'm sick of hearing about how good Edwards is and he just hasn't gotten a shot to prove himself and this, that, and the other thing. And Tyron Woodley, to me, like, was well on his way to being the best welterweight of all time before he got, you know, in kind of a bizarre fight, lost the title to Kamaru Usman. So I think either of those guys wins, they're literally next in line for a title shot. And I just think that fight needs to happen for both of them to kind of figure out where their career is headed. Um, and then the other one that I really like is Gilbert Burns needs to get a fight. And the two I had written down are either Colby or uh, Wonder Boy Thompson, where Gilbert Burns gets a top five fight that shows how close he is to actually being a title contender at this point in his career. I think Leon Edwards is going to get skipped over. I, I think they're going to book Colby and Woodley. That's just a bigger fight. Um, that's been building for fuck four, three to four years now, the back and forth between those guys. And that's real. I mean, that is real beef. Those guys hate each other. And that's a gigantic fight for that number one contender. You know, Tyron's obviously getting a little older. Colby just had that epic fight with Usman. And I think those are your four best fighters right now at welterweight. Leon Edwards, to me, I saw him fight live against RDA. He's... He's a very, very good fighter, and that's why I, I honestly, I think a lot of these guys don't want to fight him, and he's a guy that's, you know, not a big money fight. It's, it's really a dangerous fight for any, any of those guys in the top four. Um, I think they end up matching up him and Gilbert Burns. Leon Edwards versus Gilbert Burns, Tyron Woodley versus Colby Covington, because Tyron Woodley versus Colby Covington could headline, you know, any card in the next couple months. Um, so that's the way I see it matching up. But I, I think those are the guys that are, you know, at the top of that division. Um, let me see if I had anything else. The guy who's kind of a wild card in that mix, in my opinion, is Michael Chiesa. Like, I, I think whoever gets kind of quote unquote left out um is gonna end up fighting Michael Chiesa, which I wouldn't I would mind Michael Chiesa. Chiesa Leon, I would yes, Leon. Leon versus Michael Chiesa would be a great fight. Yeah, and uh, you know, Gilbert Burns just knocked out forty. You're let you to the fight. Do what? Why'd you say I couldn't hear you? Cut out. If if you're Leon Edwards, that doesn't that doesn't get you to the title. Beating Michael Chiesa, that's the problem. Yeah, but I don't think he has the name to get to the title. I I think who? How many? He's got like eleven wins in a row too. Leon Edwards. Good guys too, like Cowboy, Gunnar Nelson, like RDA, like. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I somehow I think he's going to end up getting fucked in this whole situation, especially if we keep up the Corona and he's not able to travel or make these fights. You know, Woodley and and Colby are both. You know, they're both in Florida, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, well, uh, Woodley, Woodley kind of goes back and forth. He was at, he was, did his last camp for the Edwards fight at AKA Thailand. I know he lives in like the St. Louis area and has a ATT affiliate there, but then he'll go to coconut Creek and train in the main ATT. He'll train with Duke Rufus in Milwaukee. So he's kind of a nomad. Yeah. So, um, no, I think those are great contender matchups. Um, who is your dark horse? at 170 so 
I have two here. Um, my first one is uh, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson as a tight, legitimate title contender. I feel like people forget how close those fights with Woodley were. They were razor thin. Uh, you know, one was a draw. One was like a 49 or 48, 47 victory for Woodley. And then, you know, he gets knocked out by Anthony Pettis in like a really weird fight where he's winning the entire fight. And it's just like one Superman punch and he goes to sleep. Um, but like he pieced up Vincente Luque when he fought Masvidal. He beat up Masvidal pretty badly. Um, actually, like it was, you know, was able to land kind of at will, in my opinion, against uh, Jorge Masvidal. I-, I just think that guy's really good. And then the, the, the other guy I really like as a dark horse is Jeff Neal. Um, I've talked about him a lot on this podcast, but. I think he's got really crisp, fluid striking. I think he has unbelievable power for that weight class. I mean, nobody knocks out Mike Perry and Jeff Neal made him look like an amateur. Um, I I just think that guy can really take out anyone in that division. And so I want to see him get some bigger matchups coming down the line here. Yeah, I agree. Leon Edwards was mine. Um, Like I said, I just, I don't think a lot of these guys want to fight him. And he's just kind of a low profile guy from England, you know, doesn't talk a lot of shit. Really, his most famous moment was getting a three piece in the soda from George Masvidal. And besides that, you know, he's just been beating people. And he's he's a very, very, very good fighter. I I just don't I think if Tyron Woodley has the option to fight Colby or him, he's going to take Colby Um, a because maybe it's a more winnable fight. And B, he's going to make a lot more money. So I think if they can find a way to match up Leon Edwards and get him a top two or three fight, he's a dark horse because I think he can take out anyone in the top five. Um, He's just super, super technical, good fighter. Um, So he was mine. And then I really like Michael Chiesa. I I think he's the guy that's found his weight class finally. He was kind of the guy that bounced back and forth from 155 to 170. And he's... Very similar to Kevin Lee. I mean, he's got everything to be a champion. He just hadn't put it all together. And the last couple of fights for Michael Chiesa, he's looked incredible. So um, I think he's kind of hitting his stride right now at 170. And I'd like to see him get a top five fight. Um, so, yeah, those are my two um, super fights to make. Um, I only see this working if a 55 or moves up to 70. I don't really see like a 70 or a guy who's a welterweight moving up to 85 and it being all that interesting, in my opinion, especially because the guys who are, who are there right now, I guess maybe other than Woodley are like, seem like they're in the white, right weight class. Like there's not like a well, a welterweight where I'm like, wow, wow. He's a massive welterweight who's like kind of at the top right now. Yeah, I I like the idea of Woodley. Woodley and uh, Izzy were going back and forth, but that may be an interesting move for Woodley to kind of find, you know, new life up at 185. I I think his power would carry, you know, there's not that many solid wrestlers up at 185. Um, Yeah, that would be interesting to see. Um, Yeah, so... Not, I agree. I, I think if um, Masvidal is able to get the title, then there's a possibility he would go back down to 155 to try to be a double champ at 170 and 155, especially if it's against Connor or Khabib. 
Um, so that's really the only super fight I see is if George is able to get the belt, he could kind of go down. But um, all right, who's your champ 20, 2021 January? I think we're going to agree on this. I think it's it's Jorge Gamebred Masvidal. Um, I just think he's put it he's put it all together. Um, I don't see any weaknesses. I think he matches up really well against everyone at the top of that division. Um, I think he's super marketable. I just I think he kind of has the whole package going right now, and he's he's finally you know figured it out. It almost reminds me of Michael Bisping uh, a little bit, but like as if it's like almost like if Michael Bisping became champ like a year or two earlier in his career. Right. And like, that's kind of how I feel about Masvidal right now, where he's put it together. He has all the momentum. Um, and, and he's just, he's kind of ready to take that division and make it, it's a, make it his own. I agree. I, he's got this weird like aura about him right now too, where I, I just don't see anyone beating him. I really don't. He's just, he's got this really strange confidence. That's, you know, He's been fighting for 16 years, but in this last year, year and a half, he seemed to kind of put it all together in his head. And he's just got this mindset that he's going to go in there and just kill people. Uh, you know, you've never seen someone hurt Nate Diaz like George Masvidal hurt him. He was fucking Nate Diaz up. Uh, if, it, if that's any other person besides Nate Diaz, they're knocked out in the first round with that when he dropped him and then kicked him right in the head when he was falling down. So... George Masvidal is looking really sharp to me. He's my champion January of 2021. Um, all right. Anything else on the welterweights? I'm good on that, but do want to see that Habib versus welterweight super fight for the title. Yeah. Especially, I, I mean, Usman's an interesting fight too. I don't think that's a big money fight. U- Usman to me, he's, he's a great fighter. He's not a superstar. I mean, he's more in Leon Edwards, Tyron Woodley territory where he's just... I don't know. I, I think if you're the UFC, you're praying that George Masvidal goes in there and starches Usman. And then you've got big, big money on the horizon. So, um, all right, let's move on to the middleweights. So, obviously, your champion, Israel Adesanya. Um, I think we're going to agree on this. The only fight I want to see is Paulo Costa. That's the one. It, it, it's the one. It's the one. This This division, actually, when you look at it top to bottom, in my opinion, this division has the clearest uh, matchups of any division in the UFC, where it's like, it, I can look at the top 15, for instance, and it becomes very obvious to me who these guys should fight. Yeah. Um, so I, I think you're going to get that, and I think Israel needs a fight like that. That's not going to be like the Yoel Romero fight. That's going to be a war. Paulo Costa is going to bring the fight to him. And I think Israel, for his legacy and his stardom, he really needs a fight like that. He needs to captivate the fans, do something spectacular. If he's able to knock out Paulo Costa on the headliner of a pay-per-view, I, I think he's going to transition into the mainstream and be a big star. So that's the only fight to make for me next. What what are you looking for for contender fights? Um, so I love the, the Whitaker versus Darren Till fight. I think that's perfect for both guys. Um, kind of will tell us like, is Darren Till for real at middleweight or, you know, and is Robert Whitaker kind of on the downturn or, you know, is it, is it the opposite where, you know, Darren got lucky against Gastelum and then, um, you know, we'll have to kind of see, uh, 
you know, what, uh, what Whitaker is still made of and what Till is made of. Um, I really like the Jared Cannonier against Yoel Romero fight. I think Cannonier is somebody who should be next in line. And I think we're all kind of, you know, 185 still goes through Yoel Romero, in my opinion. And until I see him lose kind of definitively, I'm going to feel that way. Um, I really like the idea of Jack Hermanson against Kelvin Gastelum. I think that's a really compelling fight. I think it's two guys kind of coming off losses that need to kind of get back in the, uh, in the saddle. Um, I really like Derek Brunson against Edmund Shabazian, your guy. Um, I think that's a good fight. I like Uriah Hall against Jack Ray. I think that's a good fight between two guys coming off losses who careers are going either way. And then my final matchup that I think is really important for this division, but I want to see the Rockhold Weidman rematch at 185. And I think I that's don't a, at a, all. a good fight to do. I don't want to see that at all. Those two guys need to hang it up, both of them. They're gonna, they're gonna double, they're gonna fade or Matt Mitchell and double knock each other out. I, I also would watch the Weidman Anderson Silva trilogy. At I would watch that. I, I would be more into that than I would Luke Rockhold, and I, I know Rockhold's been in the in the news the last couple of weeks for basically wanting to come back, but I don't see it. I think those those are two guys that have taken a lot of damage. And kind of like in Luke Rockhold's case, he's got away from what brought him to the dance. Uh, you know, he came through the rankings as a kind of a wrestler ground guy. He was submitting a lot of people and then he fell in love with striking. And he's just not, he's not on the same level of striking as Israel Adesanya or those top guys. And I don't know. I just think if he comes back, he's going to take a lot more damage. And uh, Chris Weidman, you know, Kind of the same thing, I think. I I think the the best hope for those guys were was to move up to two hundred five and didn't go well. So I I'm not that interested in seeing that fight, but I would like to see Anderson Silva versus Chris Weidman. That's a fun fight. It's got a storyline, you know, maybe down in Brazil or something. But um, I think you covered all the contender fights. Those are great great contender fights. Um, it's going to be a lot of action at middleweight in the next year. Um, my dark horse is. Edmund Shabazian. Um, in my eyes, he's kind of on the same trajectory as Israel Adesanya. And I think it's just a matter of, you know, I think he's one or two fights away from getting a title shot. And him versus Israel Adesanya, if he can continue to improve, you know, and go on a similar run that Israel did when he first came into the UFC, I think that's a very, very interesting fight in, you know, two years from now. Um you know, they're fighting the same kind of guys. They're fighting... Who Who is the last guy? Brad Tavares, Derek Brunson. You know, you're going to go through that same similar cast of guys to make it to the top. So I, I think it's kind of a, a race to see if he can do it better than Israel did. Yeah, I had uh, I had two guys, actually, as my dark horses. Uh, Jared Cannonier, I already talked about. Uh, I, I know he's ranked three, but... You know, he's kind of like this unknown dude who talks about crystals in his post-fight interviews. But, I mean, I don't know that we've seen that kind of power at middleweight before. Um, it's also you know, ex-heavyweight. He's a former heavyweight. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, who's like, 
now like dropped like 80 pounds and is just shredded. And like, I, I just think that guy's really good. And like, I, I'm very impressed by the fact that like Israel also clearly thinks that uh, Jared Cannonier is really good and that he's not getting his due. Um, you know, he talks about him a lot. I just think like he can put anybody's lights out and that's a really scary guy at these kind of larger weight classes. Um, and he's like not a, a slouch on the ground at all. I mean, he's got good jujitsu. He's got good wrestling. Like, I, I just think that guy's really scary. And then the other guy I like, uh, in this division is Uriah Hall, um, was definitely like a phenom coming out of the tough house. Everybody loved, like, you know, he's got some very violent knockouts kind of got away from, like you said, what brought him to the dance. Um, now he's changed gyms. He's down at, uh, he's down at Fortis. He's, you know, they have, you know, very varied striking and uh, a lot of good strikers in that room. So I'm just interested to see what he looks like, kind of like with a new camp in a new location, um, away from a lot of the distractions like in New York, New York. And, um, I'm just interested to see how he transforms because he was such a hotly touted prospect. I can't imagine that his ceiling is 10th in the middleweight ranking. Mm-hmm. All right. Who's your 2021 champ? You hear me? Or I lose you. I hear you now. Okay, good. All right. Who's your champ? 2021 January one. Israel Adesanya. Uh, I, I just, I think he's, he's an all time great. I think he's going to be a legendary figure. I think he's a hall of famer in the UFC. Like, I, I just think he's that good. He's that good at what he does. My heart says Robert Whitaker, but my mind says Israel Adesanya. Um, I think Rob is going to make a run. You know, I think I've listened to his interviews and stuff this week. I think he was going through a lot of stuff last year and he's still a super, super dangerous fighter. Um, a guy, you know, another guy that can put people away and, and hurt you quickly. Um, and he's still a young guy. I think he's only 28 or 29 years old. He's, he's a year younger than Israel. So, um, I want to say Robert Whitaker, but my mind is telling me better. I think Israel Adesanya is going to be your champion in 2021. Um, super fights, really the only ones, John Jones, Israel Adesanya. Yeah, but I don't think that happens for a couple of years. I think Izzy is is trying to get a couple title defenses. I think he's going to try and put on something that makes people forget about the Yoel Romero fight. I, I just think, like, I don't think Izzy is going to fight John Jones anytime soon. Yeah, I think that's that's 2021, you know, second or third quarter, maybe, if John sticks to, like, Light heavyweight, if not, I mean, John could be up running heavyweight by then. So who knows? Um, all right. Light heavyweight 205. We've got John Jones, still the champ, dominant champion. Um, who do you think's next to fight him? I think it's going to be Jan Blahovich. I, I actually think, uh, I think they're going to screw over Dom Reyes here. Um, and I think Jan Blahovich is going to get the next title shot. Yeah. Um, Man, I kind of—I still think John's going to heavyweight. I think John's light heavyweight's gotten kind of stale for him, and I think his next fight's going to be at at heavyweight. And I, I think he's going to kind of let light heavyweight play out 
going to let Dom Reyes and, and Jan Blahovich fight. Um, you know, the other guys there, I don't know. I, I think someone really needs to emerge as the clear cut contender for John Jones. If not, it's just like, you know, Hey, I just keep knocking out these next generation of guys. It's not really doing a lot for his legacy. Um, and John's getting older. We've got concerns with his mental health. I think right now is the time for him to go up and make a shitload of money, make a lot of, a lot of noise, you know, him versus Francis is a gigantic fight. Him versus the winner of DC versus Stipe. Gigantic fight. Israel Adesanya said he would come to heavyweight to fight John Jones. So I, I think he's just got a lot more options, a lot bigger fights at heavyweight. And I would like to see him fight there next. So what are your contender fights? So I think uh, they're going to book Dom Reyes against Tiago Santos uh, as, as a fight. Um, which makes sense. I mean, both the most recent challengers for the title. Um, I think you're going to see, I like the, the matchup of Anthony Smith against uh, Corey Anderson. I, I, I think that's interesting. Um, and, and I would, I think for this division to be successful, Anthony Smith has to get back in the cage or Corey Anderson has to kind of pick up the pieces after the loss to Blahovich because they're kind of the the gatekeepers of the top five for me. Like, if you can't beat those guys, you're no longer a top five guy. Um, I would like to see uh, Volkan Ozdemir uh, fight against, uh, like, a Nikita Krylov, who's coming off a win against Johnny Walker. Ozdemir just beat uh, Alexander Rakic in a close fight, so I kind of like that one. And the, the wild card contender fight I have is uh, Yuri Prohaska, who's the light heavyweight champion coming over from Ryzen, uh, signed with the UFC. I need my hardcore dinger. <laughs> Dang it. Um, but I want to see him fight Alexander Gustafson. If Alexander Gustafson's going to come back, I think that's a perfect, you know, showcase where it's either the UFC saying, look, these other champs aren't that great. Or you kind of build Prohaska's name off of a guy who a lot of MMA fans at least know. Hmm. Yeah. Gus is kind of, the dark horse, I, I still think in that division, he's still a young guy. What's he like only 31 or 32 years old? Um, which is, you know, for he's that 33 now, but is he, is he okay? Well, for that division and heavyweight, I mean, that's not by any means old. So yeah, he would kind of maybe be my dark horse a little bit. Um, I like Anthony Smith, man. If, if John Jones goes up, to heavyweight, Anthony Smith is my dark horse. I think he can beat Tiago Santos and Dom Reyes. Um, I honestly think he, out of those guys, has the best chance at beating John Jones. Um, I think it was a case in their fight where he just kind of let the moment get to him, and he talked about that a lot. That you know, he he could have taken the easy way out in that fight and got John Jones disqualified for Nina when he was down, but he didn't because I think he just felt like he didn't show up for that fight. I think he let the moment get to him, the fact that he was fighting the best fighter in the world, maybe ever get to him. And I, there's still something about Anthony Smith. He has kind of that it factor that I, I think he could be a champion one day. Um, so he's my dark horse, assuming John Jones goes up to heavyweight. If John Jones goes up or stays, no one's beating John Jones. No one. Until Israel yeah. moves up, maybe. I like Prohaska. 
I like Prohaska as a dark horse in that division. He he reminds me, honestly, he fights a lot like Dom Reyes. It's very similar. Um, and so I, I just think the guy hasn't lost in five years. He's he's a, a good big fighter for that division. I, I, I just think I think he's an interesting addition. And and I think like we haven't seen him against this caliber of opponent, but he's very dominant against basically everyone he's fought. What, who who would his biggest win be over in Ryzen? He fight probably King King Mo. Yeah, so he beat King Mo, um, Fabio Maldonado, CB Dalloway, both ex UFC guys. Yeah, he's on a big win streak. Holy shit, he's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, like a fourteen fight win streak. The guy is legit. I mean, we haven't seen him fight like high level heavyweights, like these kind of guys at the top of the UFC, but like he's not a slouch. Like I think I think he could give guys real problems in this division. Yeah. All right. Um so who's your champ 2021? Oh, it's John Jones. Yeah, 100%. 100% John Jones. Um yeah, I just don't see any way he's not champion. Um, all right, let's move up to heavyweight. Heavyweight, one of my favorite divisions to watch. Um, the only fight to make next is DC versus Stipe, and they need to make it soon. DC is getting older and older by the day. Um, they need to make that fight. That that needs to be top priority for UFC matchmakers to make that fight. Um, I think you agree with that. I, I just think it, it holds up the division if you don't make that fight. And, like, both those guys are getting older. You know, I think the, the rivalry has, like, almost become, like, a little stale to me personally. So I, I just want to kind of get it over with. No, I agree. Um, so that's the fight to make for me. Obviously, we have a huge fight booked. That's on the main ninth card, the Francis versus Rosenstreich card or fight. Um, that's a very interesting fight. You know, two similar fighters that have kind of had similar past knocking out similar guys. Um, I think Francis gets that, gets it done in that fight. Um, and Francis to me is just, he's really the dark horse of that division. I, I think he can knock anyone out at any time. You know, um, obviously Stipe was able to take his biggest shots, but besides that, I mean, no one else has been able to. So, that's a huge fight next weekend for really the number one contender at, at heavyweight. Um, what other matchups do you want to see at heavyweight? Um, not that I think it has a huge effect on the title necessarily, but I'm very intrigued by uh, Fabrizio Verdum coming back, uh, fighting against Alexi Olenek. I mean, you know how much I love grappling, so that's going to be a fun one. Uh, I think Overeem versus Walt Harris is is exciting because if Walt Harris pulls it off, I think he um, is kind of on a rocket ship to a title shot. I think he has a lot of goodwill behind him right now. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see where Alistair's at in his career. Um, and I, I think there's a couple guys like your Derek Lewis's and your Curtis Blades. Um, we're, we're sitting around a little bit saying, like, what do we what do we do with this guy? Um, so. I, I think that's kind of interesting to see what happens uh, there. Um, 
But other than that, it's a lot of the same names. And I, I, I kind of feel like we're waiting around for Francis to finally take the mantle, to be honest. Yeah, I agree. I think it's, to me, heavyweight has gotten a little stale. So, you know, I, I think if Francis becomes champion, then you just have bangers of fights. You have basically all these big animals trying to knock out Francis Ngannou. And you could see him, once DC and Stipe are gone, I mean, Francis could rule that division, you know, for years to come because he's pretty much knocked out everyone else <laughs> that's around. Um, obviously, him and Derek Lewis had that super boring fight. Um, he hasn't fought Overeem. He knocked out JDS, didn't he? Yeah, he knocked out JDS with like the behind the back hook. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I. I don't, I honestly, I don't see Stipe hanging around that much longer. To me, he's kind of done everything he's needed to do in the sport. And he's, you know, he's a guy, he's taken a lot of damage to get to the top. And I, I don't want to see him hang around too long, especially if he gets his third win against DC. Obviously, DC is going to retire. Um, Overeem's getting older. I think he's probably only got a couple years left to fight. JDS getting older. Derek Lewis getting older, you know, I, I think it could be a case where we see Francis, if he's able to get that title, he's going to run the heavyweight division. And really the only contender I see for him is John Jones coming up to heavyweight. So, um, yeah, I mean, outside of the top four or five, I don't, there's not like jump off the page matchups to make. Um, you know, they're all just kind of heavyweight fights. You know, I, I think we've got to see DC and Cormier, or we got to see Cormier and Stipe, and then Francis, to me, is going to get the winner. I, I think, I honestly think Francis is going to knock out Rosenstroik. Rosen, Rosenstroik took a lot of punishment from Overeem um, in that fight, but I mean, I think Francis is going to starch him. That's kind of the feeling I've got. Anything else you want to see at heavyweight? Um. Yeah, so I guess that leads me into like my two dark horses for this division that I I almost hope that they can pull something off because then I'll just make this a lot more interesting, quite frankly. But uh, number one, Cyril Gane, he's ranked fifteenth uh, right now. He trains with Francis. He's you know an athletic freak um, and less than ten professional MMA fights. I just think that guy has. A, a very high ceiling and if he's able to put it together i mean he has all the tools athletically you know he moves like a lightweight it's it's very impressive um and the second guy that i think you're gonna actually like this one but uh are we so quick to forget about rumble johnson potentially coming back and moving to heavyweight no him him and gustafson are, are kind of dark horses in each of those divisions uh Rumble too could go back down to light heavyweight. Don't don't sleep on Rumble going back down to light heavyweight and us finally getting that John Jones fight. Um, but yeah, Rumble's a guy that he's going to have the speed advantage on a lot of these heavyweights. He's got the power to knock them all out. And we don't know what Rumble's going to look like at two thirty five bricked up, you know. So I yeah man, he, I I think you okay. Let me throw this at you. Let's make Black Beast first Rumble Johnson. I'm in. I'm in. Sign me up. Yeah. Fight, what fight night is this headlining? I don't care. Like I don't know. We may be traveling though. That you know, one's got to be fireworks. 
Yeah, so yeah, I, I think a lot of people are kind of sleeping on Rumble Johnson. Um he could definitely be the dark horse in this division because it's an older division. He's got the power to knock anyone out. I, I think he's going to have a huge speed advantage. So he's going to be a very interesting add to this division. Um, all right. Super fights. Um, to me, it's just John Jones. It's all about John Jones. John Jones moving up. You have a lot of super fights you can make. If Francis is able to get past Ro- Rosenstreich, and we have another six or eight months to wait for DC versus Stipe. I would love to see Francis versus John Jones. That's a giant fight. The winner gets the winner of Stipe versus DC. Yeah, I would like to see that. Or I would like to see uh, Henry Cejudo put Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson on his shoulders and try and fight Daniel Cormier. <laughs> I'm down for that as well. Let's make it happen. Triple C. Um, all right, who's your 2021 champ? I think it's Francis Ngannou. I, I think he's finally like figured it out. I think he's finally put the demons that had him lose to Stipe behind him. I think if they rematched, Francis would knock out Stipe. Um, I, I just don't, I haven't seen a hole in his game since he lost to, since the Derek Lewis fight, I guess. Um, that indicates to me that he's, he, that anyone on the world can beat him right now. Yeah, to me, he's kind of got that George Masvidal aura. Like, it's just like his time, you know, and I I agree. I, I I think he beats everyone on the heavyweight roster right now until John Jones moves up. And when John Jones moves up to heavyweight, that's when shit gets interesting. Um, you know, if he decides to take one more fight at light heavyweight with Jan Blahovich or, you know, Dom Reyes, whoever, um, yeah, I think you see Francis become champion at the end of the year. And then I think we see a gigantic super fight between him and John Jones. I don't hate it. I love it. I love it. And I love that we have fights in what? Seven days. (sighs) Eight days. The countdown is on. All right, Billy. Anything else that completes our deep dive Corona? little action, little news segment. We're trying to get creative here and keep content rolling. Um, next week, we'll be back. We've got an interview with Chad Mendez, and then we will do a deep dive into UFC 249 on May 9th, and we'll break that card down, get predictions, all that good stuff. Billy, any closing words? Uh, no. Uh, I'm good. Check out uh, the all the free fights that are available on YouTube right now from every promotion under the sun. That's what I've been doing. So, uh, can't wait to have these fights back. I've been on a hardcore John Wayne Parr kick all week. I've watched this documentary, all his highlights. I'm watching fights. That dude can fucking fight. I love John Wayne Parr. He's my Justin Gaethje of Muay Thai. uh, He just goes and gets it. I watched the whole Frankie Edgar Gray Maynard trilogy the other day, and that was awesome. So highly recommend that if you haven't seen those fights. I think I'm going to have to do that. that. That's been on my list to go back and revisit those fights. But all right, everyone, thank you for the love on the Cass Bell uh, interview, too. I think we had like 75,000 views or something crazy. Um, everyone keep subscribing, share, like, share it with your friends. 
and we'll keep this train rolling. We'll be back next week. Signing out. See you later, Billy, and your mustache. All right. See you, Parker. All right, right, later. (laughs) Thanks for listening to Parker's MMA Show. Take a moment to rate and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, and visit Parker Keen's MMA Show.podbean.com for additional information on Parker and to stay up to date on the latest drama in the fight world. For more information and important links about today's episode, check out the show notes.